You're listening to the Branches HB Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Wow, that's nice. So you didn't guys didn't go on vacation. That's amazing. So I realized for some reason, Andrea's picked me out as being the vacation pastor. Because last time I spoke, July 4th. Okay, that's okay. You know, honestly, Andrew does need to get away. He has five kids. You guys that have kids, you know that's just busy. And so if you don't stop and pause in your crazy life, then those kids all of a sudden are teenagers. And then all of a sudden they're graduating from college and then they're getting married. It's crazy how fast time moves, right? You older folks can agree with me. Things just go so quick. So yes, Andrew needs that pause time. I'm constantly pushing that for him. Stop, go home. There's no reason you have to be at that meeting. Those kind of things. So just know I've got, I'm trying to push him in that area. I'm at least twice his age, right? So I can do that. Well, I love this month. There's something about September. I don't know if it's because that's when my kids would go back to school. It was happier at home. I don't know if that's why. I don't know. I think a lot of it's because, you know, typically I just go in the morning to surf because I don't want to see what's there later. But now I can go to the beach and it's quiet, you know, because it is getting a little less. And of course, the biggest reason is football season, right? Even my, I'm from Oklahoma, so my Oklahoma teams won yesterday, barely, almost got whipped by an off team that never even heard of before. Yeah, scary, but I love football, I do. I played football in college. It's just, it's just in my blood. It's part of who I am. So I do love, I just, I love September, October. It is typically warm, but then we get those cool nights still. It's something about it. I don't know, I love it. Hope you're with me on that. Well, we're going to talk about Wheat and weeds. Does that sound like Oklahoma to you? <laughs> wheat and weeds today. For a, someone that runs a, a golf course, you're going to get a lot of this. You're going to go, I could have preached that. But it's an interesting how, like for me, being raised up in Oklahoma, my dad, we had a lot of acres, right, of land. So we had horses and cows and and, you know, all these things and motorcycles and go-karts. And we would jump the barn with motorcycles. We had all those fun things a kid to do. We had all the acreage. And then we had like 88 acres behind us that were woods. Then we had all of our tree forts and our tree houses and, our, and underground forts. And we just really had a lot of fun. Well, one year my dad goes, you know, we always had a garden. And I'm not talking about our Huntington Beach garden where you have, you know, like this little, like this size of a planter, my salsa garden, right? It's not that. My dad, this year we went to a one-acre garden. I don't know if you know what one acres is. It's a big, it's a big space. It's a lot of weeds to deal with. And, you know, you start back in there. You don't have the money to start with something big. You don't go to Home Depot and buy this size of plant. You start with a what? A seed, Right? Well, we're going to be talking about that. So I understood weeds from an early age of my life because there was a, my brother and I, guess who did most of the weeding? Us. In the summer, six to eight hours before we got to go play, it was chore time. Now, did I get paid? Yeah, I ate good. (laughs) 
right? But it was, I understood weeds, and I'm telling you, we would wear out hoes and picks, literally wear them out because it, that was before Roundup, and you just wanted to be organic and everything, whatever. But I understood crabgrass, chickweed, foxtail, spurge, and dandelion weeds. I did, but there's a lot more. But what I learned about weeds is they were like the enemy to me. They were the enemy. They were trying to take over our crop. So we would, have, we would pull them out, we would chop them, we would spray them, we'd cultivate, we'd undercut, we'd road weed them, and we'd disc them. A lot of that, you're going, clueless what you just said. Disc? Oh, I get that. Okay, disc, plowing it over. But that's what we would do. That's the way we would do it. Weeds were a threat to every crop grower, even in this room right now. Maybe you've, your crops has been sod, grass. And so you're going to be so good this year, and you are going to, because it was COVID, and I'm going to be home, and so I'm going to go get a rototiller, and I'm just going to just grind up all those weeds with that grass, and I'm going to put new sod down. What happens within months? Weeds begin to win, right? We all know how easy that is, so you have to deal with those, and we're going to get into that in just a second. But what I've understood is any foreign plant outside of what you plant, it becomes a weed. So a beautiful stalk of corn in a soybean field is a weed. So when we're getting ready to talk about this parable, Jesus, remember, he talked in parables. And he used that, it's kind of coming beside his teaching. So he was in the scriptures, but he's trying to help them understand agriculture at this point. There's a lot of things he would understand in that. I would do a I would share this totally different if I was in maybe Africa or another country. I might share maybe scriptures a little different. Well, that's what Jesus was doing. So it was this parable is coming beside. So he's beginning to understand we're going to talk about this, this weed and this enemy. So this enemy started back in Genesis. We all know this garden, God created the heavens and earth, right? Created it so perfect. The Garden of Eden was just such a beautiful, lush place, Right? And then all of a sudden, man fell. The enemy was there, and all of a sudden, he was sowing this almost weed, right, through the serpent and tickling the ears of Adam and Eve, and they gave in to that sin. And then what it says in, in Genesis 3.8, it says, remember that as the part of the curse followed the fall of Adam and Eve, and that the ground would be cursed, and it would produce thorns and thistles. What are those? Weeds, Right? So that was going to happen, right, at that point. So let's look at Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 24 through 43. We're going to go through three parables. I swear when I did this this week, I was at about two hours on a message. I promise I'm going to keep you within 40 minutes. I actually put my phone so I can make sure and try to do that. So you there? Almost there? Wait, let me get this on. There we go. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Oh, yeah. If you don't have a Bible, I see you doing that. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. I'll give you one. Go back to it. Verse 24. Then Jesus told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads... When the weeds were also, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? 
Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in a bundle, and be buried, I mean burned. Then gather the wheat and, and bring it into the barns. So he took them another parable. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds came and they perched in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Then he left the crowd. He went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Hey, explain to us the parable of the weeds in this field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned into the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom everywhere that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Let's pray. Father, as we go to you right now with this passage, and we begin to just open it up and find out what you have to say. Father, we've read these scriptures. We've read these so many times. We've read read them on our own. We've heard people speak about them. So sometimes we kind of just pass by these and think, I got that. I understand that parable. I pray, Father, for each one of us to just zone in to you right now. I pray, Father, as we're praying to you, that your spirit is going to speak to each person here, possibly different. Maybe they're going to take one piece of this, and that's what they're going to work on today, that they're going to work on that area of their life. And so I just pray, Father, you help us to have ears to hear and your eyes to see what you're trying to show us. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, parables. Jesus shared so many parables. Do you know that a third of Jesus' writings were in parables? So he's, again, coming beside. He's trying to tell stories. He's trying to illustrate. He's trying to get this across. Last week... Andrew shared the first parable. He talked about the seed, which represents the word, right? But here, the seed, the weed seed, the wheat seed, and I'll end up saying tares because wheat and weed is really close, so I'll say tares. That's also wheat or weed. I'll say that again. But it represents true believers. that's That's the difference. The point is completely different. The parable of the soils shows how men receive and respond to the word of God. 
And the parable of the weed or the tares of the field show how God will divide his true people from false believers. So you see the difference between that seed, okay? So you just kind of understand kind of where we're going. The point of the story today is that Jesus has sown the good seed in the world, and the enemy, which is the devil, has sown weed or bad seed. That's the point of what trying to get across, and we're going to get there and talk through this. So we have this image of God walking back and forth through the world, back and forth through the world, and he's planting good seed and good influences. Then we have the enemy, it says, when they're asleep at night. He's going around, and he's, black, he's putting out bad seed, bad influences through this same field that we live in is good and evil. So here's a question for you this morning. Given the reality that the devil has sown evil among good that God has shown, here's three things. You're note taker, write these down. Here's the first one. Do we coexist with evil? I don't have to answer that. I'm going to answer that for you in a minute. How do we coexist with evil? And the third is, why should we coexist with evil? Well, our text begins with God's intent for good. It says, God intends for this world to be good, right? So it, look at verse 24 again. I'm going to be going back and forth into this passage, what that good seed is. In verse 37, 38, Jesus explained, one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, which is for Christians, for those of us that have given our life to Christ, followers of Christ. The seed of the sower, Jesus, had certified seed. Anybody know what certified seed is? Help me, what's certified seed? Come on, you're, he knows what it is. Certified seed is just free of any weed. So if you look at, you go to Home Depot and you're going to buy new grass seed, seed. So you have to actually learn how to get rid of weeds, even certified seed. However, it's very apparent that good is not the only reality in the world. But there is evil, the presence of evil. Jesus said, the devil's that one. He is so powerful. He says, sleeping, and he went away. Does evil exist in the world? Yes. yes. For 10 minutes. I mean, look at the last few weeks that we've three of 20 years. You guys remember 20 years ago what that happened? You, where you were when you saw in the world. Absolutely is evil in the world. Jesus explains in verse 38 and 39, the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The weeds are there, right? There are weeds all among us. In this telling of the parable, the word used to describe the weed seed, or I would say if I'm looking at like some of the versions I looked at, is tares. What I want you to know, and this is my geeky landscape, you know, I have almost a master's in horticulture, so I, I have a lot of experience in understanding trees and plants. And so here's one of the geeky things. So there's a thing called a bearded darnel. You guys have all heard of that, right? No. You've heard of beards. It's really popular. Bearded darnel. Bearded darnel, if you put that, I would go to the, the co I We would weigh it on this process. And so it's in it can be deceptive. That's what he's trying to say. Appearances can be very. There's that rogue 
policeman that, that makes his own decisions that say faith is a crock. That is wrong. So believe me. That. And we are around that. As we you know, they celebrate her years of life next week. So I don't know if you guys are 60, okay? Definitely are. So, and I was part of that. I'm in that 60. So remember hearing these stories because I was at that point. I mentioned I was in Oklahoma. But, and Kay kept seeing these hippies in Newport and Huntington Beach just running around everywhere. Who's going to minister to the hippies? And he goes, I'm not. <laughs> and she goes, what? What about their souls? These people are, Jesus died for them too. You go, I got, I've got a ministry. We've got a nice church. We have people that if they came to church, you got to sit by them, they stink. They don't take showers. They don't have shoes. I mean, one story is just to let you know, they're bored. They decided, that Chuck, and this is later on, that they, they were coming in and they were starting. He said, we can't have them in the church because the, the soil from their feet are going to have oils on the carpet. And you know what Chuck said? Pull the carpet out because <laughs> he had the right attitude. But here's the thing is Chuck's going, no, Kay's going, who is going to do this? And we all know through that, evangelism started on the beach. It went down to the tents. And the tent revival was in the thousands. They could not keep them under the tent. They were just way outside of the tent in concerts. People were coming to Christ. From who's meant to Chuck to go, no, I'll pull him out of Honeycomb Beach. No. I'm going to minister. I'm going to spread love to them. I'm going to let them know what Jesus would do. Big difference. That's what Jesus is trying to get across. Here's the second question. How do we coexist with evil? How do we coexist with evil? Do we coexist with evil, or is it the job of the Christian to take matters in our own hands and root them out? It's not. It's not, our, it's not supposed to be for us to do. But the world does that. Our nation does that, Right? When Saddam Hussein exists, we root him literally from the hole, right? When Osama bin Laden exists, we send Navy SEALs to eliminate him. Our laws and judicial systems root out drug dealers and murderers and sex offenders. Yeah. But is it the job of the Christian to take it upon himself or herself to root out the weeds growing around them? Is it our job to do that? I don't think so. However, our human tendency, which, which, and it, we mean well. I need to, what does it say, spiritually grab them by the neck and help them figure this out. Now, that's not our, that's not our position. Now, we have families, and there is a difference in my children and the way that I raise my children, the way that I will discipline my children. That's different. But, man, we're living in a big world. So what about these other two parables. You're going, wait, when is he going to talk about those? We're so long into this. Well, I'm just going to touch on them. Because it's interesting the way he takes the first parable that Andrew shared, and he explained it. Now he's taking the second parable, but he explains it after two more parables. So let's look at those two. The mustard seed, verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted in the field. Though it is the smallest of the seeds, yet 
When it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds came and perched in its branches. So here's a popular interpretation of that. It began with Jesus. Then he picked out his 12 disciples. Then there was the 120 in the upper room. Then there were the 3,000 at Pentecost. And all of a sudden, the church is growing. And there's thousands upon thousands. And many were able to take refuge under the tree called the church. So that's why we've heard this many times, right? Here's the problem with it. Here's the problem. I really studied it. Here's the problem with it. Jesus has not explained this parable. So we're just kind of assuming, what does that mean? He doesn't really explain it. So we're left with what Jesus has already interpreted. Remember, you're supposed to take text and context. What is, he, what is he trying to say? Jesus explained in the passage that Andrew talked about, birds came down and stole the seed, and Jesus said, that is the wicked one. There are evil birds shared throughout Scripture going all the way back to the mystery of Babylon. Daniel chapter 4, verse 4 talks about cutting down the tree and the birds. Revelation talks about in chapter 18, too, talks about the birds, the enemy. Is Jesus talking about this, the distraction? You know, I do believe that Jesus was talking about there was growth. The seed, the small seed that grew, and it did grow. I think what he's talking about in the birds is this distraction. It's that evil one that's looking, lurking, and trying to figure it out, trying to figure us out, be among us, and trying to distract us. When God begins to build anything and it grows, you can guarantee it the enemy is right beside him, right? Anything you have, anything good in your life, you're really growing with the Lord, and something gets thrown in front of your face, your eyes, and you want to go towards that. That's the enemy often that does that. We are in spiritual warfare, whether you like it or not. You agree with that? How do we fight that? Prayer. We've got to learn to be a church that prays. We've got to be a a church that understands that prayer wins because God gets to take it over. And we don't try to make those points or trying to take it. So here's the the third of the uh, parables. Then Jesus shares about yeast, verse 33. He, said, he told them, still another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. First off, that is a massive amount of flours. How many cooks in there? We've got a lot of people. Has ever, anybody made bread? Can you imagine how much flour does it take for one little loaf? Three cups. She knows exactly. Wow. See, I asked the right person. Three cups. 60 pounds is a lot more than three cups. I looked it up. It's about enough for 100 people to eat. Why would Jesus share a parable about this woman with a hundred, feeding 100? Because it's sandwiched in this parable of, of, that he shared about the, the others. But here's the thing. I want you to know this, and you've probably heard this, but within the Jewish family, as they were preparing their bread, they had this yeast in the dough. They would take a piece of the yeast, they would place the yeast in a container, and they would bake their dough, their dough, and they would become bread, right? Then it was time to put the flour back together and make some more. They would take that piece of, it has yeast in it, of dough, and put it back in it, and it permeates the whole thing, and all of a sudden it rises, and you have that bread that's not like this, 
It becomes raised, right? Have everybody had friendship bread? Oh, I love friendship bread. It's like cinnamon and sugar. It's like, the, it's like eating a donut with the bread. And same thing. It's like you're to take a piece, you're to bake the bread so they know what they're getting, but you send them a piece of it, and then they make the dough, and they use the starter, and then you pass that to a friend, friendship bread. Pretty smart. Somebody start that in here. I will eat it. My wife will cook it. But you understand what was going on within the, the Jewish families? It's like they're understanding this whole permeating of this. But the Jewish people, here's the interesting thing that it kind of takes a sideways part of this. The yeast and the leaven in Jewish people was a sign of evil. At Passover, what happened with the yeast and the leaven? It was taken out. All Jewish sacrifices were without leaven. Jesus said to his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The leaven was hypocrisy. Yet, there was growth among the believers, but not all were good. There was growth, but there was false doctrine and false things that were going along the good. And so that's what I believe Jesus was really trying to get across. Was It wasn't so much about, yes, it permeates, and the church permeates, and you become a part of the world. That, I think that can be a process that maybe you would share, but I think the permeation is also the enemy can distract us and can totally throw us off. So how do we coexist with evil? The enemy is trying to get into everything. He is trying to get into every good thing you lay out there. So back to the wheat, okay? Okay, well, off of those two, those were quick ones. Back to the wheat and the weeds. Wisdom lets good wheat and evil weeds coexist until harvest time. Look at verse 29 and 30. The owner answered, no, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat and them. Let them grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles and burn them. Then gather the wheat and bring them into the barns. Then he explains it in verse 39. The harvest is the end of the age. The harvesters are angels, not us, angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in fire, so will the end of this age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And they will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. That is overwhelming. But we know that this, we coexist. The wheat coexists with the tares, with the weeds. It's going on constantly. You have that Darnell plant next to the wheat. And it's there and it's distracting and it looks the same. It looks the same. Jesus said that maybe the best thing to do is let the weeds be and concentrate on being the best possible wheat we can be. Hmm. Jesus said maybe the best thing we can do is concentrate on being the light of the world and the doers of good deeds in a world that our light and our good deeds outshine the influences of darkness. And our good deeds come to overcome the effects of the evil. That's where love permeates those around us. 
when you share Jesus with them. And why does Jesus say this? I think he says it's for this reason. He says it because we can do more damage than good when we pull out our hoe or our machete and we say, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to weed it out myself. It's not our positions. Eventually, that's the angels. It's not ours because they're intertwined with us. We have brothers and sisters that are intertwined with us. We're together. We work together. We hang out together. They're in your family. They're a part of you. You start ripping. Man, you're going to rip out the good end of that, right? Got to be careful with that. Let them grow together until harvest, okay? Here's the third one. Third question is, why should we coexist with evil? I've already shared one good reason is our attempts to uproot the evil can result in something bad because we're trying to yank them up. Here's another one. The existence of weeds is bad enough without our intensifying the situation by making damages even more greater than what they would have been. Because we do more damage when we badmouth or we say against or we say things or do things that we, that we shouldn't. You know, and all of a sudden, Jesus again, he's saying in verse 41, he says, and if we truly believe the teaching of Jesus, he says, the Son of Man will send out his angels. They'll weed out the kingdom. They'll do the work for him. Why do we think we need to do this? So today, I want you to get this. We coexist with evil in the world we're in. We do. Because God is the only one who is the right judge, not us. He never gave us a position of judge. He didn't. Oh, we can be in fruit inspectors and see a brother in the church or sister that's struggling, and we can come to them. Can I come beside you and walk with you on a journey? Yes, we can do that. But we have to be careful that we are not that judge. God alone sees the person's life. You don't know. I did a funeral last, this, just, just this week. And here, last night, I'm dancing till 10 p.m. at a wedding. And it's, what a contrast. But for a Christian, that was graduation. <laughs> They're in heaven. It's the greatest. I love doing funerals. You're saying, that's weird. Because I get to speak to an audience that are hurting that are looking for the right answer, that need Jesus. And right now, they're just trying to gain life, and they're just lost. But I just know that we are not to judge. We have to be so careful. In this point of the story, the wheat and the tares, there's going to be a separation time later. And Jesus spoke throughout his scriptures. It's the point of the story of the sheep and the goats. It's the point of the story of the branches that bears good fruit and branches that bears bad fruit. And the stories all end with good being rewarded and bad being tossed in the fire. All of them, Jesus, Jesus talks so much about this. But God is good. I want you to know that. God is good. We're human judges. We try to judge something. It's not our place. Because we will convict the wrong person. We'll let someone go free that shouldn't. God's good. He knows this. Beware. We are in spiritual warfare. I already shared that. We need to learn to pray. How do we fight? Take out the sword. Take the sword out. Take the word out. And let that be the thing that works around us. 
So did you think that Jesus, when he picked his 12 disciples, do you think he knew that 11 of them were going to be really good, but one of them was going to be like the devil? Yeah, you're saying yes. He did know that. Why did he do that? Why did he pick 12 great? Why? Because that's where we live. That's the place we live. Now, did Judas, did everything Judas did towards the end was all for bad? No, remember, Jesus, God does everything for the good, right? Judas got Jesus into court. Did God use it for good? Absolutely. God used the trial of Jesus for good. God used the cross that was supposed to be evil and bad and punishment for good. Today, we don't need to change the gospel to adapt to our culture. We need to preach the gospel. We need to let it, let it do its own work. Don't change it. Don't try to modify it. It's simple that a three-year-old can receive Jesus. It's asking him to come in, and he will. He's not going to go, not today. He will say, yes, and I will be with you. So Jesus is always the right answer to everything, right? You tell your kids that all the time. Just say Jesus is probably the right answer. So just in this last closing words, there's these things, this parable that we're, we're seeing, and we try to understand it. And this is something it's not. I believe weeds can be transformed. Do you? I believe so. I believe weeds can be transformed into weeds. I believe non-believers can become believers. I believe that people who do not follow Christ may one day become Christ followers. Do we not believe that people become new creatures in Christ when they repent and turn their life to Christ? Yes. Do we not believe that a person in the kingdom of darkness can move from darkness into the kingdom of light? Do we not believe that there is such a thing giving up conformity to the world and being transformed by the renewing of your mind? Do we not believe that the lost may be found? I hope you say yes to all of those, that that is a transformation. And so there's not only the matter of collateral damage, this potential conflict, but there is also the potential of turning someone away from Christ rather than drawing them towards Christ because of our mouth or because of us trying to take the machete out. We have to be so careful. My last words, here's your job. Here's my job. Here's our role. Our role in the world is to be the best wheat we can possibly be. Be the best wheat. Our role is to be the brightest light and to be in this dark world. The brightest light. Our role is to be the presence of a loving Christ in this world and to leave the rooting out to God and God alone. Let's pray. Father, I just do, as we turned to this scripture, as we walked through it, as we meditated on it, there's so much. There's so much going on here. We had three parables to look at. But Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are listening to this, that are distracted maybe right now from something in their thoughts, what's going on the rest of the day. I pray right now your Holy Spirit speaks directly. I pray you're looking, your eyes are looking right into their eyes. 
And I pray, Father, for each one of my brothers and sisters that they say, what's my role in being good wheat, good seed? Because we're all in this field together. God, I just pray that we begin to see this, this place we're in right now, this, this either we're outside, maybe we're online watching this, maybe we're just in this senior center right now. I just pray that you see us in this place. And we, all we can think of is kind of this. It's so hard to go. But then, Father, I just pray that we think about others in this field that are at this lake that are just to my left or this, this beautiful park that's right next to us. Or, or think about the pier downtown. Think about Main Street. Think about the sand that goes to the south all the way to Beach, all the way to Brookhurst, or to the north of the pier that goes all the way to Bolsa Chica. And we think all the way to Bella Terra in the 405, and we think about Huntington Beach. That's mind-boggling to think. That's part of our, 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 heart, our area, our field. But then, Father, we, we back out and we see Orange County. And then we see Northern California. We look all the way up the California line. And then we look into our nation. And then we look into our world. And we realize, God, you've got the whole world in your hands. So we trust you. You're our Lord and Savior. But, Father, we're just one little piece of that wheat that's growing. So what do we do? Father, we've got to turn to you. How do we permeate and love the people that are right next door to us? Father, it's branches becoming a church that is known by their love. It's expressing Jesus's love to a world that is lost. To give them the right answer for everything is find Jesus and you find the right answer. So Father, help us to just not try to pluck anymore, not try to deal with the world on our own, but just go to you in prayer. Let you do it. Let the spokesmen around us do that. Help us, Father, to just be children of the light. We love you. We're challenged by this. If there's someone here that has never received Jesus and going, all of this is, I'm lost in this. All it is, like I mentioned, it's saying right now, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. I recognize you went on the cross and you died for all of my sins. And you rose again the third day for me. Come into my house and live. And that's all it takes is to be a Christian. Now we walk in it. So help us children to walk. Help us branches children to walk in the light. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to the Branches HB podcast. For more information on Branches, you can visit our website at brancheshb.com or stay up to date with us on Instagram at brancheshb. As always, we'd love to have you at one of our Sunday gatherings. So come visit us at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Locations are available on our website. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.